Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Roto World Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the universe, but you've heard that one before. My name is Josh Norris. I am here today, later on, to talk with Ray Summerlin, help you fix your fancy team after week nine, heading into week 10. By the way, Ray hosts the Thursday episode of this very podcast, so check that out. And then I'm back on Friday with Evan Silva and Roto Bat. Plus, we're both there on Sundays to help you set your optimal lineup on Roto World Live. Presented by Kia. Before we get anywhere, you should hit the subscribe button. You know, you're going to enjoy the show. I guarantee it. If not, you get your money back. Yes, I am talking to you, Nick, and Natalie, and Naomi, and Nancy, and Natasha, and Nathan. All of you, hit that subscribe button, and maybe even review it. It helps us out. Ray Summerlin is here, like I said. And Ray, this is a day for you. We are talking about all your favorite players. Somehow, it just happens I'm not going to hit them all off the top, but let's start off with Danny Woodhead. We are here after week one, after one series, when he still has more receiving yards than Prashad Perryman on the season. Danny Woodhead is back. You have slept. You have hibernated for the last nine weeks, Ray. And finally, you can wake up with the resurrection of Danny Woodhead here this week. Not quite. Because they're on bye this week. However. Yes, you know what I mean. I'm the waiver wire this week. <laughs> However, I, I do feel a little weird about this. I feel like I'm jumping in the gun on a couple guys. And we'll talk about another one, you know, a couple, another couple later on. But I think, like you mentioned, I think that Danny Woodhead's upside down the stretch in his kind of what we would think would be a Buck Allen plus role. By the way, pour some out for Buck Allen because no, his days is a... not worth it. His days is a fantasy... It was a fantasy starter, probably at an end. But you mentioned it. He played six snaps in week one, and he had three catches for 33 yards and a run for four yards in six snaps before his hamstring popped. If he's able to come back week 11, I expect him to take on the majority of that backfield role, really just dismantling Buck Allen's role, even maybe taking some away from Alex Collins on early downs, although I think Alex Collins is going to going to stick around. And if he's going to do that, I mean, we've seen Buck Allen be a successful fantasy player, especially in PPR. I think that Danny Woodhead can be more than that. I think he can return running back two value, even in standard, maybe more running back three in standard, but definitely running back two in PPR. And if that's what he's going to do down the stretch, and he's able to come back in week 11. I mean, that makes him a no-brainer ad in all leagues. Um, not to... Well, first, okay, I've got two things to say. One, sure. basically what you're doing here with Denny Woodhead this week is like you go on 
a date with a girl one time and then you envision like your marriage and how you would be right like you, you are absolutely yeah. jumping the gun but it's sure. okay i'm there with For you sure. uh and two it wasn't like just his hamstring popped like i saw a mushroom cloud of how like burst his hamstring was week one i i almost like i almost don't remember that right it was so sunny and like it was beautiful like it was yeah it almost seems like it was a different season and so maybe i'm not maybe i'm not like putting as much stock as i should in the injury because it seems so long ago but i mean we're talking about now it'll be eight weeks for a hamstring injury i think that he's pretty close to health he's already started practicing practiced when we record this on a monday right. so i'm I'm pretty confident he's going to be back. And and I think if they're going to bring him back, they're going to use him like they plan to use him at the beginning of the year. And look, many leagues out there now have IR slots, especially with the NFL moving to IR to return with multiple names on their rosters. So if he's out there in your waiver wire or free agent list, go out and get him, place him on your IR. And, and if not, like Ray said, I mean, this is kind of an upside play to position that we are struggling at right now with all the buys and all the injuries. Uh, let's move on to another one of your favorites. I don't know how this is working out, but <laughs> Devontae Booker finally at age 28 at the peak performance of all males out there is, is finally do, doing something. Um, sure. Hype me up about Devontae Booker because I certainly need to be sold. He's 24. Like He's not even that old. <laughs> no, you, I need to see the birth certificate, to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's like one of those little league kids, huh? He, he was 24 during his sophomore season at Utah. <laughs> False. Factually inaccurate. <laughs> so, the, uh, so yeah, so I love Devontae Booker. Anybody who's listened to this show for any amount of time knows that that's true. And what we've started to see recently is Booker take on a bigger and bigger role in that backfield, specifically in the passing game. He's basically their passing down back. That might seem odd with a backfield that also includes Jamal Charles, but that's the case. He's their passing down back. He's played 34% of the snaps in back-to-back games. We've seen C.J. Anderson's role kind of diminish. Jamal Charles' role is what it is. It's been what it is the entire season. It's not going up. It's not changing no matter how much Vance Joseph wants to say that it's going to change. It's not. It hasn't. And it doesn't look like it's going to. So if C.J. Anderson's going to go down and, you know, he suffered a little injury last week, then the guy that's going to step up is Devontae Booker. And the fact that he's already getting touches means that he's already has just a little bit of value in in really deep leagues. And I think even more than that, there's a chance that he, you know, ascends to maybe even the starting running back in Denver. We'll see what happens with Anderson. It's not like he's been a bastion of health. So I think that there's some value here already with Devontae Booker in, sh- in deeper leagues, and I think maybe even in shallow leagues, if you have a bench spot open, you take a shot just to see how the situation shakes out. But, like, how can I get excited for a yeah. running back who is playing, what, 40% of the snaps on a team yeah. with Brock Osweiler at quarterback, maybe Paxton Lynch at quarterback, who's also had offensive line injuries? Well, the thing that you're getting excited about is the possibility that he starts playing more than that. Okay. Based on based on the trajectory that he has here. And I'm not saying you run out and pick him up in 10 team leagues. I think I think that he's pretty far down. He's pretty far down my list. Yeah. But I think that if you know the, there are a lot of names on there that have been on there before. So if we're talking about someone new for this week that's being added to the list, I think he's I think he's someone that you definitely need to pay attention to. Right, before we get into more football, I forgot to ask you, you know, I ran a question of the week so people can get to know you better so I can get to know you better, Ray. Um it's a, it's a pretty simple one this week. Not not as intense as others in the past. Um, if I could, let's say I give you ten days. All right, where is the place that pops into your mind as a destination you would want to go if I purchased your plane ticket? Paris, France. Why? 
because it's the most beautiful city I've ever been to in my life. So you, I, you would go again to a place that you've already been to? Yeah, I love it that much. I, I enjoyed, I think I spent like a week and a half there, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed every single second. I love museums. I love art. Um, I'm not as big on sculptures. I could skip the Rodin Museum. I don't need to do that again. But but yeah, I, I just absolutely loved it. I guess if I had to pick a new place, it would probably be Istanbul because I, I also love architecture and it's one of the, you know, it's one of the best places for architecture. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, flying there these days might might be a bit tricky, but I uh, but that would probably be high on the list as well. And then I also love Big Cats. There was a show on Animal Planet one time called Big Cat Diaries. I'm sure it's on a streaming service somewhere. What? I loved that show. Loved that Big show. Big Cats? Big Cats Diaries. Like, so I'd like animals. To go, yeah, so I'd like to go to the safari. Uh, to, oh, uh, to, to, oh uh, I didn't know what you were, where yeah. you were going with that. <laughs> there you go. I love like lions and you know leopards and... Uh, what draws and, you to museums? Um, I, I, really like, I really like art, first of all. But I also am... One of, one of the things I studied in school was history. And so, and so I'm just basically all of that. And then I also, I'm fascinated by like earth stuff, like yeah. natural science museums. Those fascinate me as well. So any, all of the above, any museum you'd like to take me to, I'm, I'm happy to be there. I will say if you ever go back to Paris, um, take a train down to Marseille. It's like, it's, it's coined like the Detroit of, of France, but I yeah. loved it. It's, it has a great port, great history and a small little museum there kind of tells you all about the history. And, and it's, it's just amazing. It, it teaches you how new the United States is compared to Absolutely. Europe and France in particular, and just how, you know, from generation to generation, century to century, this little town is not so little anymore. And it's built from the same port that you were walking on just a few minutes ago and how, you know, like I said, thousands and thousands of years it is to what it is now. Um, all right, let's keep going with football. Now it's time to my, for my people, Ray. Uh, let's talk about Team Coco. Corey Coleman, back at practice, <laughs> broke his hand once again. Like I, like I tweeted, He's only 19 years old now, so there's plenty of time for him to bounce back. No, he's really, I believe, 23. And I see. I see how this works here. Players you don't like, you yes. add seven years. Yes. Players you don't. All right, I'm starting to figure this one out. Uh, this is what I do. Um, again, it's not like we are, should be too excited about Corey Coleman. He's a Cleveland Brown, for God's sakes. So is this an upside play? Is this someone that should be added in all formats? I think it's it's more the latter. And I think what the really the interesting question here is, is would you rather have Corey Coleman or Josh Gordon the rest of the season? And I, I'll present that question to you. Which one mm. of those do you think you would rather have the rest of the season? Corey Coleman. Yeah, and I, I really don't think it's close. I mean, Corey Coleman is eligible to return two weeks earlier than Josh Gordon. And he's, I think, much more likely to hit that target than Gordon is. He's actually played football in the last two and a half years. And I mean... I guess don't Josh Gordon wasn't that great his last year that he was able to play now with everything that he's been through. Are we sure he's going to come back and maybe even be a better player than Corey Coleman? I'm not, I'm not sure about that at all. I think that Corey Coleman is, is pretty clearly the better ad. And like you said, I mean, this is the Browns and although Kaiser played better before the bye, it was because he played more conservatively, which is not good news for Coleman nor Gordon. So I, I don't think that this is as high an upside spot as, as maybe we think it is. Coleman's a better ad. I do think Gordon's worth a speculative ad in leagues where you're definitely going to the playoffs. I mean, he's not going to be back until basically the playoffs. So, But in leagues that you're definitely going to the playoffs, I could see 
adding Gordon and maybe just stashing him on the bench if you have a you know a pretty good team and you don't really need the depth. But short of that, I, I think that Gordon's likely to be overvalued, and I think that Coleman might even be a little undervalued on the wire. I love it. I'm excited for you know maybe a few weeks of Corey Coleman. Um, something needs to happen, man. Because before he know, breaks another I, thing, I, I'm just saying a lot of players you know who miss one or two full seasons to start their career, it typically doesn't work out in the long run for them. And so hopefully that doesn't happen with Corey Coleman. Uh, okay, let's go to two, two rookies. Chris Godwin this week is filling in for Mike Evans, and I'm super excited for Chris Godwin. I know you watched him in college. Big fan of Chris Godwin in terms of his athletic ability and coming out of the draft. I was excited because there was an area where he dominated, and it was contested catches. And then you add on the athletic ability to that, and hopefully he can refine his game. In the limited sample that we have, preseason, whatever, Ray, I thought he has looked good. He is playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, so what should we expect for Chris Godwin this week. Yeah, I mean, I think that you hit you talked about a lot of things I was going to mention. He's very athletic. He's looked good. He looked good in the preseason and, and when we've seen him. The question is, what are the what are the targets going to be like? I actually think that they might be there with Mike Evans out this week. You know, Deshaun Jackson and Cameron Brake, those will probably be the focal point. But I mean the Jets have been using Morris Claiborne to shadow this year. If he's going to be going to be shadowing around Deshaun Jackson, which I don't really know what they're going to decide to do with Evans out, then that could open up some opportunities there for Godwin. You know, Adam Humphreys is there too. So I'm this if if you're playing Chris Godwin this week, and I do think that that's a viable option in most leagues to play Chris Godwin, especially with four teams still on by. I think it's a big risk, but like you said, you're taking a shot on talent, and hopefully that talent matching up with opportunity. And I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually a good streaming option. I think he's the second best streaming option available in league. So I'm not really particularly worried about that. I've thrown four touchdowns this year already on limited on limited attempts. When that game that he came in, you know, he almost led the the Bucks back. So yeah. I'm not I'm not so worried about that. I'm worried are they willing to give him the targets? Because if they are, like you said, I think he's talented enough to really take advantage of it. And I understand why they drafted him. One, because the value was very good. I believe it was the third round. Yeah. Uh, but two, he fits what the receivers need to do with Jameis Winston on the field in terms of try to erase his inaccuracies. Mike Evans does that constantly. I wouldn't say Deshaun Jackson does it, but that's just a different element of the offense. But Chris Godwin does it very well. I mean, he played with Trace McSorley and Christian Hackenberg. So he oh, had to do Trace. it. Uh, so Trace, anyways, Trace, Trace. I, I'm excited for Chris Godwin. And I, I think that he can make things happen in just a, a, a limited amount of playing time. Uh, and um, and I just want to make this point yeah. that for sure, as you get as we get to the end of the year here, you know, you're getting to a point where maybe some teams are falling out of the playoff picture already. If you're still playing DFS, Godwin is he's probably mm-hmm. going to be high owned, but I'm certainly going to take the plunge a couple times. And this isn't, you know, a lot of people might say, well, Adam Humphreys is the one who's been playing in three wide receiver sets. By the way. There's construction going on. It sounds like a woodpecker in my place. Hopefully you cannot hear it. Oh, Adam Humphreys is playing in three wide receiver sets, so isn't he the second receiver? No, he's solely a slot, and they'll obviously That's use right. Chris Godwin on the outside. Let's go to Curtis Samuel. Uh, God, there's been so much talk about Curtis Samuel, and it's like way too much talk for where he is at this time, in my opinion, Ray. Because what he is is someone who's best with the ball in his hands right now, who's only been a manufactured touch player. They've tried to ask, the Panthers have tried to ask Samuel to do too much, and it was too much on his plate early on, especially for a guy who basically just played running back and some receiver in college. 
Meanwhile, now they're actually asking him to be a true receiver, which is good, but I think it's too much in the middle of the season. So I'm not expecting a lot the rest of the year, but as an upside play, Ray, is he a good bench stash? Yeah, and I think in, I think we're more talking, when we're talking about Samuel, we're more talking about deeper leagues, and you're talking about them putting too much on his plate. Ron Rivera said as much, yeah. what, two weeks ago? Right. He said... I'm I'm worried we're asking too much of him too soon. And then what did they do? They traded away Kelvin Benjamin and made him essentially the number two wide receiver. I mean, he played one more snap than Devin Funches. He played can 11 I, more. Yeah. Can I, uh, if I am to interpret what Ron Rivera said meant by that, my interpretation would be they were asking him to do too many things other than being a wide receiver, to not focus on being a wide receiver. Meanwhile, now he gets to focus on solely one position, and hopefully that can help him more and more. That that would be my optimistic interpretation of that. Yeah, I don't know, based on, based on the rest of what he said, but maybe that's the case. And to your point, what they've now done suggests that you are correct, because yeah. you don't say that two weeks ago and then trade your number one receiver and then treat him like a starting receiver if you if you didn't think you know think that at least in some way, and I think he's talented. I think you both you and I liked him. I think mm-hmm. you and I had bidding wars for him in dynasty leagues because we uh, we both liked Curtis Samuel. Ended up drafting him way too high, but you know what are you going to do? If you like that someone, happens. go and get him. Zay Jones yeah, as well, apparently. Not hey, I wasn't on that one. I was. <laughs> that's all you, you champ. Carlos but Henderson, uh, Taewon Taylor. That's my entire dynasty <laughs> r- rookie drafts uh, last spring. Mine were Aaron Jones. Wherever Aaron Jones, all the all Aaron right. Jones. Don't need to brag, Ray. All the Aaron Jones, because uh, I love Aaron Jones. But anyway, um, so Samuel didn't really get a lot of a lot of production. But you have to imagine if he keeps getting those snaps, keep getting the targets. He had five targets in a game where they really didn't throw that much. That eventually something's going to pop, and you might as well put him on your put him on your bench in deeper leagues and and kind of just see what happens. How they viewed him, and again, this is Dave Gettleman and Ron Rivera, not Marty Herney and, and Ron Rivera, was as a combination, and this is what they said in their post-draft press conference, a combination of Ted Ginn and Jericho Cotri. Again, that's a lot to ask of a second-round rookie who hasn't played solely receiver during his entire collegiate career. Um, but as you said, he's playing a lot of snaps, hopefully more target show. And look, the offense honestly did look better. It's just a one-game sample size, but it looked more creative. It looked faster. And I think that's apparent when there's not a statue out there at one of the wide receiver positions. Uh, Ray, let's Can I also, ask you a question? Yeah, go quick? ahead. How much did it hurt you to say general manager Marty Herney? Um, look, I actually appreciate that Marty, after he made the Kelvin trade, went to like the local media and answered their questions because all yeah. we heard of Dave Gettleman was a preseason press conference and a postseason press conference, you know, and that's it. Uh, I will say that this interim title on Marty Herney is not interim. Like he will be the general manager unless something terrible happens. It, it, that's just how it's all like he up. like he pays Jonathan Stewart and right. Tangela. I wanted to, I wanted to make a dollars. joke after the two fumbles that <laughs> hey maybe that's enough to not get a new contract but who knows? Uh, let's talk about Marquise Goodwin. Uh, we finally got a deep shot to Marquise Goodwin this last game, Ray. Yeah, we had two of them actually. He wow. he got open on one and they you know just missed him. It wasn't a bad throw. It was just one of those you know throwing it deep down the field is difficult and they just missed. Came back and uh, you know hit him on the next one. And I guess more importantly than that, he saw eight targets his first game without Pierre Garçon. 
And they're going to have to throw to somebody. And it looks like, you know, Goodwin's going to get a lot of those looks. He wasn't terribly efficient. None of the receivers really were. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is able to bring some stability to the quarterback position, once he shows up, we don't know when that's going to be. I mean, their offensive line can't block anybody. So you don't really want to put Garoppolo behind that line. But if he can provide some stability, then you know maybe that can be some good things for, for Godwin's fantasy value. I mean, for Goodwin's fantasy value, excuse me. And, you know, he has a pretty good matchup this week against the Giants. So a lot of things pointing up for, for Goodwin. And I actually think that I think he's probably going to be a top 40, maybe even a top 36 receiver this week in my rankings. Any deep cuts we got this week? Yeah, two I wanted to talk about. Another 49ers receiver, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. R.I.P. Trent Taylor. Yeah, Trent Taylor's out with a rib injury. George Kittle is out. They need receivers. Aldrick Robinson was highly inefficient. He had kind of one last catch to save his day. Goodwin was inefficient as well. Uh, Kendrick Bourne came in. He had a couple big catches, two catches for 39 yards on six targets. And deep leagues might be someone to watch. And then and then another one of my favorites. You might not know that this is one of my favorites. Malcolm Brown of the of the Rams, who went to high school at Steele High School in Civilo, Texas. One of my favorites as well. Just just north. Just have I ever told you just northeast of San Antonio Steele is? Have I ever told you that he is the best high school running back I have ever seen in person. Have I ever told you that? No, but God, isn't there someone who you taught who is now either in college or in the NFL? Uh, no, but he he is in college, but he had to... It's a story that I don't want to get into, but I did oh. see Jamal Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just remember we, we brought up that name. You're like, oh yeah, he was a nice guy to me or something like that. Maybe it, it was the opposite of that. But no, no, no. He was no, he was a good kid. You know how things just happen. But right. um, but Jamal Charles, I saw Jamal Charles play. Jamal Charles from Port Arthur, Texas, uh, where I grew up. I uh, I saw him play person, but I think that Brown was better. Didn't see Jonathan Gray play. Anyway, all none of this matters. All of but this. Malcolm uh, Brown was like a five star recruit, like the biggest recruit he, Texas has had in a he, while. And he was amazing. He was, he was always amazing. injured, but I loved him. And he's a Matt Walden favorite as well. He's an East West Shrine guy, and I was a big fan. You know, he's amazing, and they finally gave him, got him some touches in these last two blowouts, and he has produced double-digit carries in both of them. That's obviously not going to happen. He's not surpassing Todd Gurley. Do not get it twisted. But that gives me some confidence, if something were to happen to Todd Gurley, yeah. that Malcolm Brown would be would be someone who could come in and be really successful. So just a name to kind of keep in the back of your head if something happened to Todd Gurley. And look, as much as I talk about not drafting handcuffs, and I'm glad many of you didn't because none of them worked out this year if you did draft them, uh, now is the time to start thinking about that in certain situations. Pick up handcuffs, especially if you aren't playing. If you have a very set lineup at the top and your bench is kind of just sitting there each and every week, some handcuffs might not be a, a bad instance. Heck, I mean, David Johnson won people leagues a few years ago because of it. Matt Jones, even, as a rookie, did that as well. Um, all right, Ray, thank you very much. Go check out Ray's waiver column over at RotoWorld. Obviously, check out this podcast on Thursday and Friday and RotoWorld Live on Sunday. And by the way, Nelson and Nico and Nigel and Neil and Nate and Norman and Neville, subscribe. Do that for us and maybe review. Talk to you all next time. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.